When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster for our 250th episode of this show. Can you believe we've been doing this for 250 episodes? It does not feel like it. It seems, uh, I feel like the episodes have gone by fast. You know, time time flies when you're having fun, so do the pods. And getting angry at the Red Sox. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, 250 pods is a shit ton of podcasts. There's, it is. There's a lot of hours. Yeah. So, like, what, 52 weeks in a year? So, <laughs> yeah. This is like five years plus uh, worth of podcasts or something. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of podcasts. So, thank everybody out there who's been, you know, listening to this show for a while. Maybe we have even have some. Uh, OGs from the days of Baseball Prospectus Boston, but, uh, you know, happy to have you guys uh, here as listeners, guys and gals. Um, But hey, we've got a great show for you today. Um, You know, we're going to be talking about the big news, the injury to Chris Sale. 
Keaton and I are going to have a little spirited debate about uh, what the Red Sox should do now that Chris Sale is hurt, whether or not they should be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. Uh, we're going to look at the MLB draft uh, that's happening right now. And then finally, we're going to end the show with uh, talking a little bit of Rule 5 and um, getting to your listener questions. So let's get right to it, Keaton. A uh, lot going on, but the big news heading to the All-Star break is the injury to Chris Sale. Uh, he suffered a broken finger. Uh, and I wrote here in the agenda that it is super broken um, because that thing was ugly. Yeah, I was uh, driving back to Chicago from Minnesota, so I wasn't able to watch the game. Um, but I knew that it was happening. And then all of a sudden, uh, my, on my GPS, I saw a banner pop up on my phone that said, Chris Sale exits, and I couldn't read the rest before it went away. And I was like, oh, dear God. And I immediately thought his elbow exploded again, and I was like, what a nightmare. And then six hours later, I finally made it back to Chicago. And I actually saw what happened, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, that's absurd. And then his reaction to it immediately, just like holding it up to the camera and just seeing janky finger, I'm like, oh, dear God, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your finger is not supposed to go uh, take a hard right. It's it's not supposed to do that. Um, yeah, that thing was real busted up. Um, but that's what happens when you get 106 mile an hour uh, ball off your smallest finger. And uh, yeah. Yeah, not good. That's an ouchie. Uh, yeah, that's a big ouchie, and especially for uh, your pitching hand, not good at all. Um, so, unfortunately, Chris Sale, like a day after, <laughs> no, one start, I guess I should say, after telling everybody in the media, I'm not broken anymore. Well, you're broken now. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Especially because he looked really good in his previous start. And so... Really kind of felt like some some they were going to have some momentum, uh, like a little bit of momentum, um, as the rest of the pitching rotation was sent into shambles with Hill and Waka um, and um, what's-his-face on the COVID list. Uh, Winkowski. Winkowski. Yeah, um, and kind of everything else falling apart. It's like, hey, don't worry. We got sale back. You can hold it down. We're good. Uh, and then psych. And uh, not only that, he thinks he's going to pitch again this year. The Red Sox are, uh, they haven't released an official timeline, but they're less optimistic. We're looking at like six weeks about um, for him to come back. Um, I think the, like the conservative estimates are like six to eight. He thinks he's going to be a little bit more aggressive, be like four to six. Um, but the overlap there is like six weeks out. Um that's pretty tough. That doesn't leave a whole lot of time left. Um, so the rest of the, the pitching staff needs to get healthy here and kind of pick him up so that, um, you know, whatever's left of the season means something when he comes back. Because um, I still think that can be the case, which we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah, and the thing that just sucks about this whole situation for Chris Sale and for the Red Sox is that, you know, since since he was signed by Dave Dombrowski to this uh, extension here, uh, five-year deal starting in 2020. And, you know, it was signed in that 2019 season where he, you know, he, right before the 2019 season, but he was uh, not healthy, um, headed into 
that season, not fully healthy. Um, and we kind of knew that because of his struggles in 2018. And, you know, I remember talking about it with you on this podcast at the time that it was signed saying like, you should just wait, like he should wait till this deal expires at the end of 2019 and then deal with it then. And, and, you know, he didn't, he signed the five-year deal and it has just really, really, really not worked out. Um, and, you know, I think Dombrowski is to blame for um, the first couple of years because I think there were clear red flag health concerns with Chris Sale. But now we're to the point where like, okay, the Tommy John's behind him, his stuff was really back. Like in that first start against Tampa, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Chris Sale's here again. This is awesome. And now it's just to the point where like, okay, yeah, they screwed up, but now it's just horrible luck on Chris Sale's part. Yeah, I mean, you were right. At the time, they should have waited. There was the elbow stuff. And then even then, they shouldn't have done the PCP injection. They should have just given him the surgery. And they they lost like eight months um, <clears throat> of a timeline there. So um, I think to an extent, the first couple of years was Dombo's fault. But they also kind of screwed him. They screwed themselves after the fact as well. And they they shouldn't have waited to give him the Tommy John surgery, and they did, because the PCP does not work for anybody. No, and it really every single doesn't. person they give it to still ends up needing Tommy John, and so that just ended up delaying the inevitable. They could have gotten that stuff back. But then you're right, like the spring training, the cracked rib thing was like, okay, that's, <laughs> I mean, it's really weird. Yeah, and then this is like, oh man, <laughs> but. I know it's uh, and it's easy to to look back at it now and just be like, well, this has just been a hundred percent a disaster. Um, but I think um, you know ultimately, your point was right at the time. They should have waited because there were red flags about him like constantly breaking down, never being able to actually make it through an entire season. So they should have waited for that last year to you know figure that all of that stuff out before giving him that full extension. Um, but at the same time. Even though they had, I don't think you can fully blame everything that's happened on Dombo and that extension. And things are just kind of getting wacky now. Um, even with hindsight, I think I was happy with it at the time. I wish he'd been <laughs> more healthy and on the field more, but I'm still happy uh, that Chris Sale is on on the team. And when he's on the mound, he's really dominant. I'd rather have him be dominant for the Red Sox than dominant for somebody else. What if that money could have gone to Mookie? Oh, God, you had to do that, <laughs> didn't you? Oh. I mean, that was one of the talking points. That was one of my problems with it no, at the time, JD too. they J.D. Martinez opting in. That it was they, his fault. They <laughs> did blame J.D., but also, like, <laughs> this was when the, the Mookie stuff was very much in the conversation. I was like, yeah. take care of Mookie first and then worry about the other guys. And uh, Well, see, that's the thing is I feel... Dombrowski is not fired. Mookie's here. <laughs> so Interesting. I don't think it would have mattered. Yeah. Now you might be right. I don't know. Dombrowski was pretty clear about uh, when push comes to shove, getting his guy. So who knows? We won't open up that wormhole uh, right now. Um, that was oh, right to the heart. <laughs> yeah, I had to do it. I'm sorry. That's fair. Um. So anyhow... This Chris Sale injury, coupled with all of the other massive lists of injuries that this team is suffering right now, coupled with a poor bullpen 
an inconsistent offense, we have to ask the question whether or not this team should be buyers or sellers heading into the trade deadline. But before we get to that, I want to kind of give some some people out there a little bit of context uh, going into this. So here is who the, the Red Sox have guaranteed commitments to in 2023 and beyond. So for for next year, right now, who would be on the team if they literally just sat on their hands and did nothing? At catcher, they'd have Connor Wong at first base, Tristan Casas, okay, second base, uh, Trevor Story, third base, Rafael Devers for one more year. Shortstop, our, my boy Xander would be gone, and Downs is the most likely option there to fill in. Left field, they'd have Verdugo. Center field would be Duran, your boy. Right field, I put Franchi Cordero there because he's played a bunch of games there this year. At DH, I put Bobby Dahlbeck so he can't hurt anybody else in the baseball field with his fielding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Starting pitcher, Sale, uh, would be the ace. Pavetta would be the two. Bayo would be the three. Whitlock, the four. And then I put as the fifth any combination of Crawford, Seabold, Brandon Walter, Chris Murphy, or Josh Winkowski. And then for the pitchers, the relievers under contract are uh, you know just as un- uninspiring as the uh, current group. It's Hal Contriber at the top, followed by Davis, Diekman for one more year, ugh. Uh, Ort, Barnes, ugh. Taylor, Danish, Darwinson, Frank Herman, Bazardo, Kelly, Mata, and Vasquez. So, uh, Valdez as well, yep. Uh, oh, Valdez, yes, I said Vasquez, my bad. Um so, yeah, anyhow, if they did nothing, this team would look very, very, very different from the team that's on the field right now. The key free agents that are going to be on the team or off the team next year, and in all likelihood, Xander Bogarts, the big one, J.D. Martinez, Kike Hernandez, Christian Vasquez, JBJ, Pulecki, Strom, uh, Sawamora has a option himself for 600K, uh, Rich Hill, Michael Waka. Nate Eovaldi and James Paxton as a club option. So they can choose whether or not to bring him back. So it's a lot of question marks. So Keaton, what do you think they should do? Well, for that, I do have a pick to knit. Okay. I would say stories are shortstop downs at second. Okay. I would like that. I'd be fine I mean, with that. Just Defensively, stories got to play short. I'm just worried about Story's arm being fully back, but if if you tell me his arm's fully healthy, then he's absolutely the shortstop. Yeah. But to your question, I think they should be buyers. Here's why. Okay. The team has won more games than they've lost. They've been in the thick of the wild card race uh, prior to um the season we gave our predictions and where we thought the red sox would be they are basically spot on to where my prediction was um i mean they did have uh maybe a a slight drop with the last couple losses but uh with all the injuries to the starting pitching i'll allow it uh I figured they would be at like 84 wins by the end of the year. And uh, they would be uh, 
on the uh, third wild card. I can't remember exactly where you had them. Uh, I had them at 86 wins in the third wild card as well. 86. Okay, so that's pretty close. So yeah. right now, Fantrax has their rest of season record at 84 and 78. So it's actually exactly where I had them preseason. Um, and that has... Uh, this does not have just the American League East, so I'm not going to try and do that on, or just the American League, I should say. Um, trying to eyeball this terrible radio. I'm going to give up because it's really bad to listen to me trying to do that. But point being, they're right on par with where I thought they would be right now. Um, and they've also shown flashes of being a little bit better. Um, obviously, right now, they're in a bit of a skid. Right now, they've also hit an absolute wall with their starting pitching, and they've just kind of all exploded. Um, a bit hard to work around that, but essentially, um, we have been reacting as if the sky is falling. However, they're basically meeting expectations. They, at least for me, they're not far off from where um, you thought they would be. Uh, as far as the position in the wild card, they're right there uh, a couple wins off their the pace that you predicted but they're meeting our expectations from preseason and i know that as time passes you're allowed to change your opinion mm-hmm. and update expectations based on results um the first month of the season was so bad and so frustrating for them to be where they are right now it's kind of impressive like the last two months you know like basically the last 10 games maybe aside they play really good baseball. Then they have this offense has really turned it around. It's been incredible. Uh, I don't know what the hell is going on with Nick Pavetta, but he needs this break to figure himself out. If Nick Pavetta can get back to just half of what he was in the first half, like forget the last three, four starts, whatever has happened to him in July, uh, he got monstered. Uh, he can hold that down until. Waka and Paxton and these guys come back. I don't know what you'll get out of Paxton, but there are very simple moves that you can make at the deadline to shape this roster and form it um, without giving up a ton of pieces on the farm uh, or as something that we've talked about a lot because uh, we got a bunch of listener questions about it, um, giving up a piece or two to get Bednar and Reynolds from Pittsburgh would be a huge upgrade and a long-term investment because both those guys are under control for a very long time and they would be very great additions to this baseball team. Those would be worth giving up a piece or two. There's other pieces like Roberts, uh, Robertson, like you want them to go shore up the back end of the bullpen. There are other starters that they could add for depth, although Carter Crawford has been a revelation as of late, keeping them afloat. There are a lot of pieces that they can add to basically put their nose ahead of the people that they're around. I do not believe in, with all due respect to the Baltimore Orioles, this has been a nice little run they've been on, but it feels like they're arriving a bit ahead of time. Don't believe in the White Sox. Don't believe in Cleveland. So we're right back to, I really don't know what to make of Seattle because they had a really good start to the season. Then they were really, really bad for a very long time, and now they're back to being really good. Um, I thought they were going to be really good in the beginning of the season, though, so I might believe that a little bit more. So that might be a team that's thrown in here, thrown in the mixer here. Um, 
that might be something to contend with. But we're basically right back to where we were before with Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Boston. Um, just adding one other team in there that I think they're going to need to compete with. And when push comes to shove, I think that they would be able to compete. So this team should be a playoff team. And I don't think you would have to give up significant pieces to basically sure that up. Uh, and if you do get Chris Sale back in September, I would put this offense and a short pitching rotation up against any of these other teams in a short series. I'd feel very confident in that. I want to be on your side so bad because I, you know, I half agree with a lot of the things that you're saying. Um, and it's weird. Again, we're switching places as you being the optimism guy and me being yeah. the pessimist here, which apparently is our permanent switch now. Um, but so there's a, a whole bunch of things. So let me first start with when I predicted 86 wins for this team, that was me thinking, hey, they can win 86 wins with a healthy Chris Sale, Eovaldi pitching like most of the year, Kike Hernandez playing center field, like Bobby Dahlbeck not being as bad as he was. Like I wasn't expecting him to break out or be anything special or whatever, but I was expecting him to be a spell better than he's been this year. There's just been so much that's gone wrong with this team so far. And to me, it was Chris Sale was kind of the breaking point here. And let me just go down through a bunch of these things. So just looking at their roster right now, Jaron Duran's going to play most of the rest of the season, it seems like, up with the big club because uh, Kike Hernandez's hip issue seems to be sort of a big problem, and we don't know when he's going to come back. I'm really worried about Jaron Duran's defense. I'm also really worried about Jaron Duran's offense because I was looking at his splits uh, today, and uh, his splits have just not been good lately. He's batting one eight of one eighty two in July, and I think there's some very real holes still left in his swing. So I actually don't think that we can expect a whole lot from Jaron Duran the remainder of the year. Uh, Verdugo, Xander, JD, Rafi, I have no no questions about those guys. Uh, Vasquez, I think he'll regress a little bit. But when you get down to like the bottom of the lineup, Franchi Cordero, horrible. Duran, horrible. JBJ, an unplayable baseball player. I think their lineup has too many inconsistencies. And then when I look at the starting rotation, I don't see any possible way that there's a fix for this. Even if Ivaldi pitches lights out, I think that Nick Pavetta is exactly who we thought he is. I mean, we were talking a couple weeks ago about his ex-ERA being so much worse than his true ERA. Well, now his ERA is 4.50 and his ex-ERA is 4.45. So he's basically exactly who he's supposed to be by this point in the season. So I think that there was definitely a little bit of luck there. I don't expect Pavetta to like bounce back in a huge way, so I don't know how much you can expect out of him. I already expressed my concern about Michael Waka for the remainder of the season. I'm really worried about the shoulder. I think he's been pitching over his head as well. I don't expect a ton out of Rich Hill. I'm just wondering, like, how are they going to get these innings? And as great as Carter Crawford's been in these last few games that he's pitched, I just, I don't think that, you know, the back end of the rotation with Pavetta, well, I say the back end, but it's really the back four. Pavetta, Crawford, uh, Waka, and Rich Hill, when those guys come back, I don't think that can carry you. Um, 
and I, you know, Trevor Story's not going to be out long. He'll be back. Um, he'll definitely help. Uh, Matt Strom, I don't think will be out long. He'll help in the bullpen. But I don't think this bullpen's good. I think this bullpen is a massive problem. We saw, you know, Garrett Whitlock being back was huge for this team. But overall, I just think that this team right now was poorly constructed to begin with. Worse constructed than I actually thought at the beginning of the season. Um, and it's kind of revealed itself through the real big defensive holes that I wasn't anticipating the defense to be like this. I don't think it's fixable without investing quite a lot in this team. And when we look at the free agents here, you know, Bogarts and Kike are really the only two free agents for this team after this year that I think that Bloom may actually try and re-sign. I don't think there's any chance... Well, let's go through these guys a little bit. I mean, do you think they'll resign Bogarts? Oh, boy. Do I think? Man, with every passing day, no, I don't. Okay, so if Bogarts is expiring, uh, I think they'll still try. J.D. Yeah. Martinez, any chance they'll resign him? No. I don't think so either. Christian Vasquez? Um... I, I mean, I could see that. I don't think they will, only because I don't believe that Bloom really likes his defense. Um, so, you know, maybe. that's just me anecdotally reading <clears throat> into it a little too much. I'd be yeah. totally fine with Vasky coming back, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, JBJ, we don't even have to discuss that one. It's no, it's We're not good. worth <laughs> uh, talking about that. Plawecki, probably not with the emergence of Connor Wong. Where are you on him? Yeah, that's a no. Kike Hernandez. Yeah, I could see that because of the versatility of the infield and the outfield. They, I could see that they like too. Those guys a lot, and of, I mean they have a ton of those guys, but he's very clearly the better of all of them. Yeah, and also like it could be a one-year prove-it deal, like to prove that he's healthy as well. Um, yeah, you know, coming off the hip thing, so I could definitely see that. Uh, Matt Strom says he wants to be a starter next year, so that kind of throws a wrench into the plan. Do you think there's any chance they resign him? Has he ever done that? Uh, yes. Early in his career with the Padres, he started. Hmm. Weird. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> me, me too. I don't, I'm not in on the Strom starter experiment, although at this point we might need to experiment with it. Um, Sawamura? You want him back? I would take him back. It probably wouldn't take much. He's been fine. Okay. Rich Hill? No, I'm good. Evaldi? I wouldn't mind. Do you think they'll they'll do it? He is going to be 33. He'll be in his age 33 th- season next year. He's 32 I think that right they'll now. try. Um... Because I don't think it would take a whole lot unless someone was really like, I mean, for whatever reason, like here's another basically similar deal to what the Red Sox just gave him. But I don't know why anybody would give him that now. Would you give him three years and $51 million? No. That'd be 17 per. That's yeah, what he's no, making I now. I wouldn't. You think he's going to get it? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I was in like 10. I give him three thirty. I would probably do that, honestly, um, just because I know Nathan Eovaldi can pitch here, um, and I like the guy, and I think he's good for the staff. 
So if it were me in charge, I probably would. I don't know if Bloom would do that. Yeah, so that, that seems like a lot for the age. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. It seems like a little bit of an overpay. I'd probably be more comfortable with like 12 or 14, but, um, you know, may have to do that with how crazy pitching is. Uh, James Paxton, that's a really weird one. Um, yeah. He's got a $13 million club option. Would you pick that up? I mean, it all depends on the rehab. Right. Yeah, I, I feel like we can't properly answer that until we actually see him uh, yep. towards the end of the year. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, Michael Walker. Yeah, I think they. Probably do, because I think they really liked what they've seen this year. Um, they thought when they initially signed him that they could unlock something, and they clearly have. Um, so I imagine they think that whatever they've done would be sustainable. They probably could feel like they could bring him back. on. Well, I guess they probably feel like they could bring him back on a nice team, a deal that works for them. He probably feels great. Uh, they helped me figure my stuff out. I'm going to go make a lot of money somewhere else. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, good for him. <laughs> so I bet they try, but ultimately someone else gives them more money. Yeah. I don't think they'll try and bring him back just because of what you just said. So, I mean, when I look at this list, I think Bogarts, they try to bring back. I don't know if they're successful at this point. I think they will yeah. ultimately bring back Kike. And I think there's like a 50-50 shot they bring back Nady Evaldi. I don't really see anyone else on that list coming back. And the reason why I point this out is because I think that with all of the holes on this team and with all of the teams that you named that are currently vying for those wildcard spots that are ahead of the Red Sox right now, I feel a lot more confident in the roster construction of Seattle, of Toronto, of a lot of these other teams that are right in front of the Red Sox than I do about the Red Sox. And I think that the Red Sox are pretty intent on the idea that there's going to be massive turnover next year. And so I think that Bloom is going to be a little too enticed by the idea of, okay, can I get a good prospect for J.D. Martinez, who just made the All-Star team again? Can I get a good prospect for Christian, uh, Christian Vasquez, who's actually hitting really well right now and is a serviceable defensive catcher? Like... Can I get anything for Dahlbeck, who's clearly not going to be the answer here? Can I get anything for, like... The answer to that is no. Yeah, I mean, but, like, think about what teams would pay for Nathan Eovaldi, um, considering, like, what he did in 2018 and what he did last year. Like, teams would pay through the nose for Nathan Eovaldi at the deadline, I think. 
Um, I just I I think that there's too much on this team right now that is actually more valuable to other teams, and especially because we haven't seen Bloom be willing to actually like go out there and make big splashes. I mean, I guess you could say Trevor Story was a big splash. I hesitate to call it that because I feel like what he did was essentially try and replace Xander Bogarts uh, on this roster instead of just signing his known quantity guy to a longer-term deal. Um, but yeah, I mean... Should have been able to do both. Should have been able to do both. I just really... Yeah. I guess I'm also yeah. just... Maybe I'm just trying to be ignorant of what's in front of me and, uh, you know, see no evil. But if they are sellers, then, like, I mean, like, basically what you were just pointing out, Bogarts, JD, Evaldi, Vasquez, all those guys need to be traded because to lose them for nothing at the end of the year would be very stupid. But I think doing that also basically admits what all of us were pointing out in the offseason was that a team two wins from the World Series has very solvable problems that they ignored. Yeah. And they're just silently admitting that. And that would just really piss me off. (laughs) And I'm just really hoping that they're not going to just try and be like, well, you know, we ran into some injuries, uh, tough luck. You know, we tried with Bogarts before the season. We were just too far apart. Uh, and they try and do that stupid PR spin that was like, you know, they forced our hand. You know, we didn't yeah. want to do this, but we had to. When, when really it was, the, this team had glaring, solvable problems that did not, were, like, would not have taken much to solve, and then we're just blatantly ignored, and then results was team torn down. Yeah. That would just piss me off so much if that was the result. I think and the I'm just spin really coming, hoping man. that's not the case. The spin is on its way. John Henry is going to come down and give us the spin after this season. I just feel it in my bones. And the thing that, like, you know, makes me more confident than ever that they're going to sell is that like, you know, we mentioned some of these guys, Vasky, you know, JD, I mean, maybe see what you can get for Duran when his value is really high right now. There's a lot of meat on this team right now that might be able to fetch some really good assets. I mean, I kind of salivate at what Eovaldi could get in a trade like maybe someone believes in Pavetta too I don't know he's got a couple years of control left like if you're gonna if you're gonna tear down if you're gonna have this much turnover on the roster next year and you don't think you're gonna make the playoffs like maximize those assets now and I feel like Heim Bloom is just not the type of guy who's gonna take half measures when it comes to you know doing that with with talent because this is the Rays way right like this is what he he came up doing is figuring out like okay we're out of it all right let's go into sell mode and try and fleece some other teams of some good controllable assets and so I could definitely see it happening that being said Keaton I'm okay with them doing both things 
Uh, and I'd actually prefer them to do both things. Like you mentioned the Reynolds and Bednar thing. I still like the idea of that because both those guys are controllable for so much longer. And I was running through the free agents uh, for for next year, like seeing what path they could have to contend next year. And there's not a lot. Like out there for the outfield, there's going to be Brandon Nimmo, Aaron Judge, Robbie Grossman, Mitch Hanniger. Like those are the big names. I don't see you signing Judge. Conforto. I mean, I, yeah, Conforto. I I like Reynolds better than all of those guys except for uh, for Judge, right? So yeah. like. You know why not make a run at those guys? I just, I I feel like, I feel like they should be both. I I, th- I think they should sell their short term assets, except for Bogarts. I don't think they should sell Bogarts, um, because I think that that hurts your chances at re-signing him. Whereas I think we already talked about it. There's not that many other guys on this list that you'd want to like re-sign, and I think that it, the the juicy package that you might be able to get back for Eovaldi might be worth, you know, dumping him. But I don't think anything you can get back for Bogarts is going to be worth what that potentially means to your negotiations with Bogey. No, and I think that also damages um, your potential of getting Devers to stay. Yeah. Um, after Devers has just watched everybody leave, why would he want to stay? Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, but the bottom line is, Keaton, I, I mean, I kind of hope that I'm wrong. Well, I definitely hope that I'm wrong. I hope that, uh, you know, this team, it's only three wins over 500, and the run differential is very average at this point, and it's it's really hard for me to see a way that this team uh, makes the playoffs with how it's constructed right now. I don't feel like the ownership is going to view this team as worth making short-term investments in. Like when you look at this roster with all the guys expiring, is it worth it to bring in Josh Bell for half a year? Is it worth it to trade assets to bring Robertson in for half a year? Probably not. Um, But if they can make some of those long-term investments like the Reynolds, like the Bednar, I'm good with it. I just don't expect them to shop for any rentals at this point. Perhaps. Well, put yourself in Bloom's shoes. Would you shop for rentals at this point still? Would that be on the table for you? Well, I was just going to say you bring up a good point about that. And I think that may be the best point you've made. Um, That may be tougher to swallow, I suppose. But, yeah, I think if, if I am... GM of Red Sox, yeah, I think I would because <laughs> I think that they can compete. Um, but so, like, I bring this back to very first sentence of your argument. You said your prediction of 86 wins was assuming healthy Chris Sale, getting Evaldi out there, Kike doing what he did last year and all that. There are only two wins off that pace without that. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. It isn't. It is not. And I knew you were a good lawyer, and I knew you were going to come back with that point. Um, (laughs) So I've been preparing for that. I look at the current roster, and I see a team that resembles more the Orioles and not the freaky-deaky 
10 win in a row, 11 win in a row, Orioles, like the old Orioles. I see a team that like more has more in common with the bottom of the AL at this point than the top of the AL. And I think you're absolutely right. Like they probably did overperform for all of the injuries that they have. And I think that one of the reasons why they did that was because of all the depth that Bloom has done a really good job of building up. Like, you know, you, you can't stress how much the value that they've gotten from guys like Cutter Crawford and, you know, Winkowski and all these dudes, like that's been huge. And they haven't had that in years past. I just don't think like, and we're starting to see the cracks in that right now. Winkowski's on the COVID IL. Seabold's done for the year. Walter's just coming back from a neck injury. Like Bayo's innings are going to be limited going forward. You know, the other two guys, the old men, Waka and Hill are both on the IL. Like where are we going to get these innings from the rest of the year? I'm going to go out there. <laughs> all right keaton's making a comeback you're gonna sign that mlb minimum deal get your like a uh, 700k yeah prorated prorated still a, still a good chunk of change <laughs> yeah, still pretty good yeah <clears throat> so we had we did have a last minute question right before we started uh recording that snuck in from the surfing guy that says buy and sell at the deadline I like that. I, I think they should do that. And I think they should be looking to buy uh, long-term assets for this team while selling their short-term guys that they don't plan on committing to. And if you sneak into the playoffs after doing that, great. If you don't, Honestly, great. I'm kind of with you. Like If they actually went out and got Reynolds and Bednar, and even if... Well, I mean, I do agree with you that Bogarts would need to stay. But then if they traded JD and Kike and Evaldi and all of these other guys that we just talked about, I actually would still feel pretty positive about that trade deadline. I'd feel, still feel like that was a win. I would too, because it would actually like show me that you have a vision for this team yeah. in the future. And especially, like we we just went through the outfield for, for free agents, but like, there's just not a lot of meat on the bone in next year's class. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. like shortstop is good. It's Correa, Turner, Swanson, and Bogey. But everywhere else is like kind of meh. It's just not a lot of good stuff. I mean, there's a couple highlight starting pitchers. Joe Musgrove, Carlos Rodon's out there. Uh, Clevenger, if he can prove that he's actually back. Wilson Contreras, Josh Bell, but like it's not a good class overall. So you can't rely on free agencies. So you have to rely on some of this depth that has been built up here by Heim Bloom. And it, you know, especially like, do you really want to be a bad team going through transition going into Devers last year under contract? I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no. Because I feel like then that would just solidify, be like, well, if you have no direction and we were just really bad, I'm not staying. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I feel like there are very obvious moves that you can make here at the trade deadline and set yourself up for heading into free agency that would indicate, like, some kind of direction to commit to Devers. Be like, hey, here's what we're doing. You should be a part of it. Oh, by the way, here's $300 million. Yeah, I'm with that. 
Either way, I think this uh, two two week stretch here very mel very well may define the next five years of this team. Yeah, matter right. That's scary to think about. Yes, it is. I don't like it. I really want the uh, the era of Xander and Bogey to last, or uh, Xander and Devers to last for a, a real long time. So, gonna be pretty bummed out if it doesn't. All right. Well, that was fun. Uh, the MLB draft is actually going on right now. Uh, well, not currently. It's uh, it's paused for the moment, but it will pick up again tomorrow. Uh, and uh, rounds 11 through 20 will be uh, had. But the Red Sox made some selections, so I'm going to run down the selections that they made right now. Uh, number one pick, 24th overall, Mikey Romero, a high school shortstop from Orange Lutheran, California. Um, committed to LSU. He is friends with uh, uh, Marcelo Mayer um, and, uh, you know, pretty pretty good hit over power type of guy. Uh, might move over to second base. Interesting player there. Uh, Cutter Coffee was the second round pick, number 41. Um, he's a shortstop as well, but probably will end up in a corner position. Big power, not as much hit tool. A little bit of concern there with the hit tool. Um, they had a competitive uh, uh, round balance pick, um, which was 79th overall. That was for losing uh, Eduardo Rodriguez um, last year. Uh, and actually, the uh, second round pick was not their original second round pick. That was for not signing Judd Fabian last year, so they got that one. But with uh, 79th pick overall, they signed Roman Anthony. Uh, he's a outfielder from uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida. Um, real big prospect, a little bit higher ranked than even the guy who went ahead of him, Cutter Coffee. Um, so a lot to dream on there. And then they went pitcher Dalton Rogers. Um, shortstop Chase uh, Midroth, um, I think that's how you pronounce his name, from San Diego, college guy. Uh, Noah Dean, left-handed pitcher from Old Dominion. Uh, Alex Hopp, right-handed pitcher from UNC Greensboro. Then we went Caleb Bolden in the seventh round, right-handed pitcher from TCU. Uh, Jonathan Brand, right-handed pitcher from Miami of Ohio. Um... And actually, he was going to transfer to Auburn, uh, so that was interesting. And uh, Brooks Brannon, Brannon uh, catcher from Randleman, North Carolina, and Isaac Coffee, no relation to Cutter Coffee, a right-handed pitcher at Oral Roberts. So I uh, went pretty pitcher heavy in the last, uh, you know, I, I guess you should say from from three to ten, they they drafted a bunch of pitchers, but they went prep bats for the first three. Um, so, you know, what stands out about this draft, if anything, so far for you about what the Red Sox did here? Yeah, I think the first couple picks kind of, I guess, bucked the industry trend, but um, seemed pretty on brand for what Bloom has done in his time here. Uh, loves prep, middle infield bats. Um, those have been his first three picks here with the Red Sox. So uh, those are just kind of the way he goes. He loves to get underslot value here at the top of the draft. Um, that's the way he's – well, I mean, Meyer was not an underslot value. That was a surprise. But uh, when he's not picking fourth, going yeah. underslot at the top. <laughs> uh, so that's – I think that part was interesting. Um, 
immediately there was I know a lot of uh, tweets from folks like why are they drafting more shortstops and I know it's <laughs> major baseball draft is weird in that we're not going to see these guys for years positional stuff will work itself out I'm yeah. very unconcerned with them just loading up on a bunch of shortstops and particularly I mean shortstop is supposed to be the most athletic spot in the diamond so um, these guys are all 18 years old they're not stuck at these positions they'll figure it out and uh, having a bunch of players that are really good at one position is not a bad thing to have so uh, I'm not concerned about the positionality of it at all whatsoever um, and we'll just kind of see how these guys pan out I was surprised there was some college bats I thought that they might go with because they had been linked heavily with them at the 24th pick um, that just doesn't seem to be Bloom's way so I guess I shouldn't have been surprised but uh, I guess maybe I won't be surprised next year when he takes another uh, California shortstop <laughs> yeah I mean three in a row uh, that's pretty good um, yeah it, it definitely I think you nailed it like the archetype for Bloom is is uh, prep bats and I think the the Red Sox have figured out that there's quite a bit more value um, drafting those high school bats um, guys who are just you know very athletic lots of tools uh, maybe haven't been quite as uh, publicized as a lot of the uh, the college guys you know there's there's definitely a type here and there's definitely a tendency to look for hit over power uh, at the top of the draft we saw that with York we saw that with uh, Mikey Romero um, you know Meyer has everything so you know you can't say that about him but um, you know, it's an interesting strategy I, I like that um, you know Romero coffee and Anthony like you know, you could probably take those guys in any order, uh, one, two, or three. So I think they're going to spread the money around a little bit between those three guys and make sure they all get signed. So I think that was a pretty cool strategy as well. Um, you know, we're not going to know anything about this for like five, six years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe more. Um, well, not really know anything. We'll probably know a little bit in like a few months or you know, a year from now, but, um, we won't really, really know anything for a couple of years, but interesting nonetheless. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely be diving more into these guys in more specifics on the, uh, Red Sox prospect podcast that we do here at over the monster. It's called Red Sox on deck, uh, with Bob and Shelly and occasionally myself. So, you know, stay tuned for an episode, uh, on that. If you want to get more into that stuff. Okay, um, I want to end the show before we get to listener questions with uh, taking a look at Rule 5 eligible guys who the Red Sox need to protect this offseason uh, by adding them to the 40-man roster. And I went through it today. And so for those of you out there who are not familiar with the Rule 5 draft, essentially, if you have a guy uh, in your minor league system who's been there for a certain number of years or has reached a certain age, uh, they have to be added to the 40-man roster uh, to be protected um, or else they are eligible to be selected by another major league team. The caveat there is not that the other major league team gets to then put them in their farm system and let them sort of develop there. That other major league team has to hold them on their active 26-man roster 
uh, for the entire year. Um, so, I mean, it's it's not as easy as it sounds. Like, uh, go go back a couple years ago to uh, Jonathan Arayus. Uh You'll recall that the Red Sox held him on the roster for the entire year. So it's it's something that is uh, a little bit difficult to do. And if you fail to do that, that player goes back to the team. Um, so the Red Sox have some really interesting guys up for uh, Rule 5 eligibility this fall. The reason why I bring this up now, you might be wondering, is because sometimes these Rule 5 log jams uh, create trade opportunities for teams, and teams are more likely to trade guys who they might uh, potentially lose in the Rule 5 draft if they don't plan on protecting them. So anyhow, without further ado, the guys who I think the Red Sox are going to protect uh, this offseason by adding to the 40-man roster are Tristan Casas, Frank German, Chris Murphy, Sedan Rafaela, Brandon Walter, Thad Ward, and possibly but unlikely speedster David Hamilton, who has really disappointed this year at AA. So he's pretty unlikely at this point, but a name I wanted to float because sometimes it's easy to stash speed guys. Um, Keaton, looking at that list, does anybody stand out to you as somebody who is either A, a lock to stay here and be added, or or B, somebody that you think the Red Sox might explore trade talks with uh, as we approach the deadline? Yeah. Um, Thad Ward is an interesting one. I think he might be a candidate for trade. Um, he's 25, and he's only at eight innings at um, above a ball at this point um, he has been good when he's been out there but he just hasn't really been out there a lot uh, it seems like um, you know he has issues with walks but the strikeouts have always been there um, hasn't uh, the ERA has been fine um, so it's it's he's kind of like a tweener for me because I, I don't really know how he slots in he's obviously pretty old for um, the level now, uh, he might be one that slots into a trade that someone thinks that they can figure out. He's an interesting one that if I was another team, I actually might ask about. Yeah. As, as a piece of a larger deal, but I just don't know how he fits in with the Red Sox right now. Yeah, I think you make an interesting point about how much development time he's missed because he underwent Tommy John surgery. And the fact that he is healthy and he's actually really throwing well right now uh, does make him more attractive to other teams. But, like, there's clearly a good bit of development still that needs to go on with him, and he just yeah. needs to pitch some innings. So I think that's a really good uh, answer for that one. The other guys who I'd kind of eyeball here uh, are, are for different reasons. Chris Murphy and Brandon Walter, uh, the two pitchers, have thrown really exceptionally well this year but still like kind of have an iffy projection. Like they're sort of maybe a fifth starter, maybe a long reliever, like not exactly sure where they fit in a major league roster. So I could see them being added as a piece uh, to a deal. And then Sedan Rafaela, I don't think his value will ever be higher than it is right now. Uh, he's having a, a true breakout season. He's the best defender in the system by far. Uh, and he's hitting this year. However, his approach is still extremely aggressive, and he doesn't walk. So I could see the Red Sox trying to 
uh, go out and get a big piece. Like maybe say, you know, if they were to acquire a Reynolds, maybe he's a, a part of that package uh, going back for that. I think his value is tremendously high right now. Uh, so I could see him as a possibility. I think the only guy on this list that is very much untradeable for the Red Sox, unless Casas, I mean, unless Soto is coming back, uh, is Tristan Casas. I think he's very much part of their plan. What do you think about that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Got to keep the big man. Faux show. All right, let's get to some questions here. Uh, first question comes from House of Kuzu. He says, where do you think Xander will end up getting traded? Padres, Dodgers, Cardinals, or Astros? That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, surprisingly, I don't think any of those. Uh, I mean, actually, you know what? Maybe Padres would. I mean, if he gets traded and it's to one of these teams, I think the Padres make the most sense. Padres got a guy named uh, Fernando Tatis coming back in like two weeks. Yeah, but he's also been playing a bunch in the outfield. If they're trying to protect him, they might stick him there. And if you're looking for a rental for a push, that makes sense. All right. I'm going to figuratively slam my hand on the table right now because I don't want to spill my water. Xander (laughs) is not getting traded. (laughs) Done. I will say, though, that um, I talked to a scout with the Cardinals and their interest in Xander Bogarts is non-existent. That was, uh, I know in the beginning of the season, there was a bunch of, like, like three different national people that, like, all ended up writing stories on the same day about, uh, like, the Cardinals reaching out to the Red Sox about Xander Bogarts. And when I, or when I heard that, I immediately uh, messaged the scout that I know. I was like, hold on, is this a real thing? And he was like, it absolutely is not. And I was like, oh, thank God. It was just commentary pieces that were that people ended up writing, um, and there were where thankfully in that situation where there was smoke, there was smoke, there was non fire. So yeah, Cardinals they have definitely a not a destination. Pretty good guy there right now. They sure the do. Of, uh, Tommy Edmond. They sure do. Uh, ben Jacobson has our next question. He says, "Do you think the Red Sox won the Steve Pierce trade, considering Espinal is a very versatile All Star caliber player right now?" What do you think about that one, Keaton? Yes. I will not say that they won. I will say that it is one of those rare situations where this trade worked out pretty much perfectly uh, for everybody because, Steve, we don't win the World Series without Steve Pierce, so obviously we win. And then they got a young, controllable, versatile guy in Santiago Espinal who's Probably not an all-star caliber player. Uh, he was he made it in by the fan vote. Um, if you look at his numbers, actually, he's you know a very good player this year. But he's definitely there's several guys who are more deserving of being there at his position than he is. But he's like a, a very nice player, and he's been a good development story for them. So I say win-win. Yeah, hundred percent. Got that series. Uh, next one comes from House of Kuzu again. He says, would you trade Devers straight up for Juan Soto? Both in contract negotiations, Devers will be cheaper for the Nats, and the Sox get a younger player with better defense. Yeah, 100% I would, but 0% chance the Nats would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would trade anybody for Juan Soto. 
I would trade Xander and Devers for Juan Soto. I would uh, I would trade most of the team for Juan Soto. Um, would you trade him in a house? Would you trade him with a mouse? I would trade him with a mouse. <laughs> Everybody for Juan Soto. <laughs> yeah. Name your price. Uh, and the last one here came directly to me. This was a question about Rule 5, uh, and he was asking kind of, uh, you know, why do we even mention this Rule 5 stuff? It's not hard to make room on the 40-man. Uh, free agents go off the 40-man as well, and you can also DFA guys. Um, so why do we mention it? Um, the reason why is because the list of potential guys that the uh, team might lose through the Rule 5 draft is, is pretty extensive. And also, when guys leave in free agency, those guys have to be replaced on the roster. Um, so it, it's really not you know, as, as simple as saying, like, oh, the Red Sox have 12 guys who are likely to leave as uh, major league free agents. So, no, that's just 12 spots. So, like, why worry about this? Well, you have to actually field a major league team the next year. So, you know, you're usually... F- fielding that with guys who are already on your 40-man roster or with uh, free agent acquisitions. So the roster spots run out uh, a lot quicker uh, than it seems like, and you don't want to just DFA guys uh, who could potentially bring back trade value uh, for you in different deals. So um, 26 spots, 40 spots uh, might seem like a lot, but... With all the moving parts, you know, 180 guys in the minor leagues as well. That's, that's a lot of guys to manage. Sure is. Yeah. And that was from Ralph Buscano. So, uh, all right. That has been our show. We do appreciate it. Uh, stay with us. Tune in for future episodes. And uh, hopefully the next couple of weeks will provide clarity for what the Red Sox future will look like. And hopefully it is a bright one. So, Keaton, thank you for joining me today. Uh, And you can find Keaton on Twitter at The Spoken Keats. You can find me on Twitter at DevJake. You can find the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. And we'll be with you next week. 